This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, everyone. Patrick McEnroe here, and, uh, you know, I like to bring on some of my old tennis cronies. Now, this gentleman, um, around my age, great junior tennis player, stellar college career, got to the pros, made a nice living for a couple of years. Would you call yourself Tim Siegel, one of the first double specialists that was out there on the ATP tour back in the day? That's kind of you. I, I would just <laughs> call myself a doubles player. I don't uh-huh. know about a specialist, but yes, I uh, was fortunate enough to have played all the Grand Slams and um, had some success uh, in, in some of the big events. Uh, but, but certainly one of my big memories is uh, getting beaten handily by a, a couple of McEnroe boys. <laughs> now, where did that happen? Because you sent me a text when we were setting this up. You said, well, you, was that in De- Detroit? Where did we play? In Detroit, in Detroit, okay. 1988. I think the you know, where the Pistons used to play. And right. I remember the hotel was literally like right across the street. Away. Yeah. I remember That's that. Right. Yep. That's right. And was it you and Jimmy Arias? No, actually I played with Richard Matichewski that, that, okay. that day. Another New Yorker, another New York guy. That's right. Now, is it true? Cause I, obviously I, I, I went in and did my research on you and your son, Luke and your whole family. We're going to talk about team Luke and what, what you've been able to do with that in the last five years, just an incredibly inspiring story. Uh, tragic also obviously and what happened to your son we're going to get into that but I, and I'm going through your history it says you were born in Manhasset New York I was a Long Island boy that's right my uh, parents lived there my parents went to Hofstra in Columbia and matter of fact I'll never forget to 1978 I was mm-hmm. a huge Yankee fan and so I couldn't wait to go watch the Yankees after the national the U.S. clay courts or the national clay courts boys four teams was in right. Manhasset and right. uh, uh, incredibly enough, I won the singles and made the finals of doubles and, and got to watch the Yankees in the doubleheader against the Twins. I remember that like it was yesterday. Unbelievable. Was it a Shelter Rock Tennis Club? It must have been right off that, the LIE. That's, right. that's exactly right. I didn't realize that you, grew, you, you, you were in New York for that long, and then you moved where when you left New York? And, and how old were you when you left? Well, no, I left New York very early. I was only two, but oh, okay. I came back for You came back for the Nationals. Nationals. Gotcha. I that's gotcha. That's correct. Now, by the way, do you know where I was born? Well, I know Douglas. Were you born in Douglaston? Manhasset, New York. No, you, the, no, I did not know that. Don't tell me you were born in North Shore Hospital. Do you know the hospital? That I can't answer. Okay, all right. Well, my wife, by the way, is from Manhasset area. She grew up there. And anyway, I grew up in Douglaston. I'm, I'm going uh, you know, way too far into the weeds here for people that have no idea. Well, where is that? Douglaston, where I grew up, the McEnroe family grew up about 15 minutes from Manhasset. And I was actually born in a hospital in Manhasset. But anyway, uh, it very, I didn't realize that about you. So we lost you to the South. And you ended up growing up in Louisiana or what state? I mean, I know you went to the University of Arkansas. But, and you were, yes, I grew up. I grew up in New Orleans. Yep. And my my uh, my dad was moved from New York to New Orleans, and mm-hmm. I I spent my whole you know childhood there in New Orleans. And of course, when you grow up in New Orleans, uh, you are the you become you have no choice but to become the biggest Saints fan in the world. <laughs> Certainly, right. I was that. Yep. Yes. And uh, but played tennis in juniors, and then went to the University of Arkansas. And, and I remember, actually, one of my big wins, you may forget this because I'm, I'm assuming you want to forget things that you don't like. Mm-hmm, true. But I remember at the University of Georgia, Richard Schmidt and I had a big win in the mm-hmm. second round of the NCAAs 
against someone named Patrick McEnroe. Do you remember that? I'm not surprised, Tim. You are a hell of a doubles player. I mean, and, and Richard Schmidt had some firepower. And let me tell everybody a little bit about the week, but you you're, weren't that big. You didn't have a lot of no. power, okay? But you were unbelievably quick and maybe most importantly, just so feisty, quick at the net, quick hands, and that's what made you a great doubles player. So I'm not surprised because, believe it or not, in my four years at Stanford, we won two NCAA team titles. I never got out of the first round in singles, okay, in the tournament, the individual tournament, which still to this day, because so many players I lost to never made it. In the pros, and I ended up making it obviously somewhat in singles, and had a pretty good doubles career as well. So you decide anyway. Going back to the way you played and the dynamic you brought to the court, you were a guy that was all about the energy and the enthusiasm and the intensity. So it was no surprise to me that you ended up being a coach and particularly a college coach. So I know you started at SMU, but did you start at when you left Arkansas? You were on the tour, and then you started at SMU right before you ended up at Texas Tech. That's correct. I was uh, coaching under Dennis Ralston, you know, who just, who just passed, passed away. away yeah. was, mm-hmm. Yes, was a, was a great mentor. And I was the women's coach for two years and then his assistant for two years and then moved to Texas Tech in January of 1993, where I coached for 23 years. And, and you're exactly right. The, you know, the spirit that I had, the fire, the, the work ethic, because obviously I wasn't big and I had to rely on on, on fighting harder than my opponent, that it was a natural fit for me to, to be a college coach, and I loved every second of it. Uh, we had some success, but, but more importantly, I loved developing relationships and, and talking about things other than just tennis, but mm-hmm. also making darn sure that they improved the tennis game as well. Well, you, I mean, again, you, you struck me as a guy that was, was made to be a college coach. So I must say, Tim, when, when I heard, because we're about the same age, I think a year, year and a half older than me, mid-50s. Mm-hmm. When I heard you retired in 2015, I was a little surprised. I knew you had a growing family. You have three daughters. You had a son. Um, and you decided to retire in the sort of the end of the season in 2015, um, in July. And then it was... 20 days later that you got the call uh, that no parent wants to get that we're all afraid of about your son being in an accident. And you, you retired to basically, and you correct me if I'm wrong, to spend more time with your kids and more time with your family. Uh, and then, of course, the accident happened a couple, what, three weeks later, right, when Luke had his accident. That's correct. And, you know, I, I love coaching so much. But, but what I really – what I really loved more and what I love more even today is, is being around my children. And as a college tennis coach, you obviously are on the road a lot in the spring recruiting, you travel in the fall. And I had, I had contemplated um, resigning even a couple of years earlier, uh-huh. but, but even though I resigned, it wasn't for lack of, of loving what I did. It was more important for me to be around my children at the time. They were nine, 11 and 12, mm-hmm. uh, my three youngest. And so July 8th, 2015, resigned from Texas Tech. And, and ironically enough, when I resigned the following season, they won the Big 12 and were top 10 in the country. So I, I wanted to leave the team in good hands. Yeah, you, and, set, you, set, them up, you set them up for success because I know you had a lot of top 25 finishes throughout your career as a coach. Well, I, I was fortunate to, to bring in some good players. I had some great assistants that helped with recruiting. And, but July 8th, I resigned. And then 20 days later, and what's funny is I resigned to become the high school and middle school coach mm-hmm. where my kids were going to school. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the normal transition from college <laughs> right, to exactly. high school. Right, but normally, but you're, normally you're toiling away as a high school coach until you get your shot, you know? That is correct. Right. Now, 
the reason I did it simply was because I wanted to be at the same school that my children were, and I was going to do it for about eight years until my son graduated. And ironically enough, I was in um, the high school, on the high school tennis courts, 2 o'clock, July 28th, I'll mm-hmm. never forget, to get a phone call that Luke had been in, a, in an accident. And for about a minute or two, I didn't know if, if what I was hearing was actually a joke or if it was true. Mm-hmm. Finally, listen, Luke um, broke his nose. Well, I drove to the scene of the accident. I saw the helicopter hovering above. The ambulance was just taking off. Luke had been in a golf cart accident at, at a friend's house uh, on a friend's uh, golf golf cart. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived at the hospital, I quickly learned that it was far more serious than a broken nose. The golf cart had landed on top of Luke's chest. He suffered head and chest trauma and was actually in cardiac arrest for seven minutes. So the shock, the disbelief, mm. uh, the frustration to think that my little boy uh, was hanging on uh, and really hanging on by a thread. We didn't know that Luke was 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 even able to have any brain activity until day eight uh, of, of of the time that we were in, in the hospital. So it it was and still to this day, you know, in some ways, Pat, it feels like it's been five years, and other other times it feels like it's been five minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I I have somehow some way moved moved forward, and and the way I have moved forward is simply. I realized that the only way I could survive was to start a nonprofit to help children just like my son. Mm-hmm. So Team Luke Hope for Minds is a nonprofit that supports children after brain injury. And so I juggle my time between being Luke's primary caregiver, taking care of Luke, and then um, also helping families all over the country. So it's been, it's been rewarding. It's been uh, my passion. Uh, I had lost so much of my passion, but I've, I've regained it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, every single day is a challenge taking care of Luke. Well, I know you 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 joined up with another uh, uh, organization called Hope for Mind. So Team Luke and Hope for Mind, you can look it up online and you can read about some of the other stories, which are, are heartbreaking at one um, moment. Yet, uh, and I think your story says it all, Tim, yet also inspiring because I, you know, I saw the piece that Tom Rinaldi did. He's a cohort, was a cohort of mine at ESPN. He's now left to move on to Fox. And I remember talking to him a couple of years about, uh, years ago about your story. And I'm glad to see that it finally happened. Tom did an unbelievable piece with you and with Luke and, and, and sort of the journey that you've been on uh, over these last five years and kind of centered it around your passion and your interest in the Saints. And talk to me and my my listeners, if you, if you don't mind, Tim, about what you've done with Luke, what you did with him before the accident, and sort of what you've continued to do when it comes to your beloved New Orleans Saints. Well, I'm the biggest sports fan in the world. I mean, I'm obsessed with, with every sport, and I follow it religiously. And my son was, you know, many people joked, well, you're going to have a son, and he won't love sports. Well, not only does he love sports, he loved to compete. He loved to practice. He had a, a unique, um, I guess, desire at age seven, eight, and nine to be the best baseball player he could be. And mm-hmm. he loved to practice. Mm-hmm. Every single day, we threw the football or the baseball. And so I, I not only had a little athlete, but I had someone who loved being around me to talk sports, to watch sports. And so we were really kind of inseparable in that way. And we made a deal that we were going to see the New Orleans Saints play every single year for the rest of our lives. We made it to three, and then 2015, we missed it. Mm-hmm. But I reached out to the Saints right. shortly after the accident, 
and Drew Brees sent a video to Luke, which I played in the hospital probably a minimum of a thousand times. Wow. And then from, from that point, I reached out to someone in the organization, Jay Romick, who's, who's now become a very good friend. He has invited us to, we've been to eight games since. We've gone to practice. We wow. have gone to on the field. We have done so much. And, and Drew Brees, you know, you mentioned the word inspire. Mm-hmm. You know, Luke has inspired a lot more people than I can even imagine mm. on Facebook and on all the social media. And I hear it every day. People in Lubbock that tell me how much they pray for Luke and how much they have learned from him and mm-hmm. his fight and his determination. But others have inspired Luke. And certainly Drew Brees is number one. Drew was always his hero. And the fact that Drew, matter of fact, I just texted yesterday with Drew, mm-hmm. just talking about this week's playoff game and mm-hmm. our goal and our plan after the Saints beat the Bears this week. Spoken like spoken like a true Saints fan, right? Absolutely. Although you know, normally I'm nervous, but uh-huh. this time I'm confident. Okay, we're going to get this victory, and then the next week I will be at the Saints game with, believe it or not, with my daughters because I have daughters that love the the team as well, and it it certainly is gut-wrenching but also heartwarming that my daughters love the team but but Luke when he goes to the games generally is either asleep or not really aware Mm -hmm. but uh, I can tell you this that when the therapists talk to Luke and they mention Drew Brees and the Saints he responds with tongue movement that is now our communication Mm -hmm. I'll ask him a question he responds with his tongue and so he is making some progress I have I have and will never lose faith that Luke will continue to improve I've seen it not only with Luke, but all of the other children that we have helped over the mm. last uh, three years. And so I'm, I'm very optimistic that the brain, Luke's brain, will continue to heal because of the love and the support and, and certainly because of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and also because of the uh, the science that your group is is backing and supporting to you know continue the studies and 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 to see what's possible because certainly uh, we 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 all need that within the world of COVID, right? How medicine is you know we're hoping to come it's gonna kind of save save the country and save the world in a different way. Um, but now I know you talked about and I heard you talk about a little bit in your piece with Tom and 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 in doing looking through some of the the interviews you've done about your wife Jen. You know, you have three other kids, as you said, three other daughter, three daughters, and and talk about. Obviously, you're the guy. You, you just drove to Fort Worth to go to go visit the hospital, and, and you're talking to me from the from from the hotel there. And so, you obviously the amount of time and effort that you put into being with your son and taking care of him is is obviously phenomenal. Um, but what about Jenny and what she's meant to you and to the family in sort of keeping you know, keeping your feet on the ground through what's just, you know, obviously when, when that happened was just you know, the, the worst nightmare of any parent. Well, you know, when, when something like this happens, you, you, you learn about statistics and over half the families that have this happen end up in divorce. And, and I think what happens too often is it's easy for me to see that things break down because at different times we're dealing with different emotions. You know, I, I need and want to be next to Luke 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I feel like when he's awake, I want to be with him. I want to coach him. The coach in me is still there. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I both handle things and deal with things differently. She has a lot less anger. She has a lot less uh, just, just overall, she is the rock of the family. Mm-hmm. And she's a nurse practitioner. So she knows a lot about medicine, and which is both good and bad when, mm-hmm. when things aren't going particularly well. But she has 
done a remarkable job in, in keeping all of us, especially my daughters, you know, um, believing in the power of prayer and the fact that Luke and will get better. Because as everyone knows, when you deal with something like this, it's not just Luke, obviously. We have teenage daughters that have not been able to communicate with their brother for five years and five months. Um, it is a challenge every day to come home dealing with whether it's constipation or whether it's agitation or tone. There's a lot of things that happen every single day. We, we give meds three times a day. We have to make sure we feed at certain times of the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm always aware of time and what I have to do for Luke. And then, of course, we have therapies every day. So it, it is a constant battle. But for me, I would do anything for any of my children. And certainly, uh, it's a team effort. And, and that just not just my, my wife and I, but my daughters have learned compassion. They've mm-hmm. learned patience. And I think there's a lot of positives that, that have come out of this despite this, this awful tragedy. And how do you, Tim Siegel, take care of yourself? What do you try to do? Not very well. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not very well. You know, it's funny. I, my heart rate was up for five months when Luke was in the hospital. He was mm-hmm. in the hospital in Lubbock for a month and then four months in Fort Worth. And my heart rate was up watching monitors mm. constantly. Heart rate, you know, blood pressure, brain pressure. And then for really the next four plus years, I didn't do much, maybe some walking. And I was, I don't sleep a lot because when I sleep next to Luke, I'm up, you know, at least three, four hours a night. And I've had, matter of fact, in 2020, I didn't have one night where I slept the entire night. Wow. But I've gotten used to that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand the importance of sleep and, and eating well and being in shape. So I have really now determined and dedicated 2021 to taking better care of me. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, my back and my neck have suffered a little bit because of, of carrying Luke. So I've worked on that. And, uh, you know, there's no question that I'm going to get in better shape because I know, and I've heard this a million times, if I'm not in good shape, I can't take care of Luke. So that's my plan. That's my goal. And that's what will happen this year. Well, I like to hear that because I think obviously, I mean, you've been, you're, you've been through so much, you're still going through a lot. And obviously you got to, you got to take care of yourself as well to be, um, to be there for Luke and to be there for the rest of your family as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear about that. You mentioned, obviously, Drew Brees. Is it true, Tim, that because, you know, I hear those stories from Andy Roddick that they played like tennis, junior tennis against each other. Can Drew Brees actually play tennis? Yes, as a matter of fact, I talked to Drew about that. He says he hasn't played much tennis, but I told him after he retires, we're going to have to hit, hit a few balls. But, yes, he played a lot of junior tennis and, you know, Drew came to Lubbock and did an event for us and, and was just fantastic. And we talked about tennis, talked about his career. And he's a very family-oriented guy. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, when you mention tennis players and our nonprofit, we've been fortunate enough to have so many wonderful people reach out to me in the tennis world. You know, it's a, it's a small community of people that care. Mm-hmm. And John Isner came last year. Um, um, Andre Agassi came, which was amazing. And Andy Roddick and Nick Volatieri. We've had... Uh, Daniel Collins, we've got some very special people devote their time and energy to help raise money for families with children with brain injuries. And and we've had, of course, Patrick Mahomes, former Red Raider, uh, who has never played a game for the <laughs> right. Chiefs without his Team Luke Culper Mines bracelet. And, yep. and so I can go on and on. And it means so much to me because the sports world is really still and will always be my world. And in some ways, that's my escape now. Mm-hmm. And so... To, to have people reach out and, and, and ask about Luke, it means everything to me because there are moments 
dark, dark moments that, that I really need to be uplifted. And, and those athletes certainly have done that for me. Well, you've certainly uplifted uh, a lot of people, Tim, and I know you're going to continue to do that. And I'm going to make, make it my mission to get to your event, you know, hopefully this year, if we can even have the event this year, but in the not too distant future, I'd love to be there as well. Now, before I let you go, I have, I have to hear you because I've told this story a few times and I'm not sure I've done it justice, but years ago when you were at Texas tech, you were nice enough to invite me to an event that you had down there. I think it was a fundraiser for your tennis team, something to that effect. You invited me to come down. Uh, I flew down. I never saw so many SUVs in my life going, going down there to that part of Texas, but you got me in there to meet who at the time was the head basketball coach, coach Bobby Knight, who spent the last years of his, his uh, coaching career at Texas tech. So can you um, tell the audience remind and remind me how that went down when I got to meet coach Knight? Well, you were right about um, a fundraiser. I, you were so amazing. You did an incredible job speaking, and, and it was, I'll never forget, it was 333. So it was March 3rd of 03. Mm-hmm. And that was that long ago, huh? Wow. It was. Wow. What, eight, almost 18 years yeah. ago. And, and the day before, um, I made sure that, that you met one of your, uh, um, I guess you could say, your coaching idols. So mm-hmm. you spent some time. So. Coach Knight was a, a, a love loved tennis, and we used to bring our team to watch him practice. And I learned a lot by watching his team practice, his attention to detail. And so I was just so grateful that he was able to spend time with you. And, and I'll never forget watching you listen to him in the locker room. It was a special time for me as well, I'm sure, for you. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell sort of my side of the story, and you tell me if I'm remembering this correctly, because I remember you took me in, and it was, it was kind of nerve-wracking. I think, I think his son, Coach Knight's son, was sort of like the go-between. So he came out and met us, and they, the, the team had just lost the previous night. Like a, uh, they had a lead. They were missing tons of free throws at the end of the game. And it was like, you know, like you said, it was in March. So it was like a bubble. They were on the bubble of getting into the tournament, into March Madness. So they ended well, I'm up. i interrupt you. Yeah. I'll tell you this. It, it, was, it was March 3rd right. when that happened because my daughter, believe it or not, my, my daughter, who's now 28, fell off a horse. Oh, my goodness. Had to go to the hospital <laughs> right. to have surgery on her arm. Uh-huh. And I missed the Kansas game, so you are right. We lost to Kansas that day. Because I was watching the game because I got to the hotel like the night before, and our event was the following day. So I remember I got in. You had me set up at the uh, nice hotel there. So I, I watched the game, and I'm, you know, I, I didn't know anything about the team. Or, and so I'm just watching. Man, these guys can't make any free throws. So you t- anyway, so fast forward to the next day. So the whole town, the whole university sort of, you know, uh, in, in mourning that they lost this game. And we walk in, and Coach Knight, if I remember correctly, was watching some tape of, I think, the game from the night before. And he, his, that is correct. And he, was that sitting, is correct. he was sitting in his chair, and all the, like, the assistants, you know, like eight of them were like around, and nobody was saying a word. And I remember the, his, his son came out, brought you and me in, and it was like you could hear a pin drop. And finally... You know, Am I right? I mean, I'm right, right? Yeah, you are right on. I remember it like it was yesterday. And then what did I say to Coach Knight? You know, I just I, remember I think, you made. I think you, I you, said you made a crack. Yeah, I said made a crack of like about because I said something about you know, boys, you guys really had trouble making free throws or something like that. It's some kind of, of crack. And and I remember when we left, you turned to me and you go, "Oh my God, 
Nobody in love in Texas would ever have said that line to Coach Knight because I, you know, I if, didn't, I if, didn't know any better. If Coach Knight didn't respect you and and your brother, you would not have gotten away with he that. He would have I thrown promise. me. You would have thrown me out of that. But he, I, I do remember we had a nice chat, and he, as you said, he was a big tennis fan. He asked me, he goes, "How come none of these?" And I, had, I think I, I had recently become the Davis Cup captain. So he's in 2003. So yeah, 2001, I became the captain. And uh, he said to me something to the effect of, what's with these, you know, tennis players? How come they don't play Davis Cup? Because when I first started out, you know, Sampras and Agassi, mm-hmm. they, yeah, they weren't that interested in playing all the time. And I write back to him, I said, well, how come Shaq's not playing on the Olympic team? And he, like, stopped for a second. He's like, he's like good point. You know what? I think that's yeah. probably why he liked you so much. Yeah. Because you, you threw things at him. Most people are afraid. But, I mean, it was like, because, you know, people were were... were Shitting on the tennis players, I could say that's a podcast, Tim. So um, for for not you know representing, which, which of course we all want them to do, but it, you know, it was the same thing was starting to happen in basketball. So I, I I remember that, and I remember how gracious you were and in hosting me, and you know I don't know where this is going with Team Luke. I know you're going to keep going, and uh, you you mentioned that you know he's he's moving his tongue let's hope he starts doesn't he doesn't he move his eyes sometimes too too yes you know yeah. that we were told we were told luke would never use his limbs never right. use his voice never open his eyes and he's done all three i can ask right. him, can i hear your voice and he tries to open his mouth sometimes sounds come out um mm. i will ask luke Move your tongue if you think the Saints are going to win. He'll move his tongue. And, and my favorite, my you're never, favorite is You're this. never, wait, okay, go, give me your favorite, and then I got a comment. Here's go my ahead. favorite. Yep. I'm the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan in the world, and I said to Luke, move your tongue if you want to listen to Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't move his tongue. Move your tongue if you want to hear Ed Sheeran, who he likes, and he moved his tongue. He doesn't that like, shows you that he is in there. I, I love everything about Luke, but if he doesn't like the boss, come on. We got to to Well, he just, I guess he liked Ed Sheeran a little bit more. You know, I'm going to give you one before I let you go, Timmy. I'm going to give you one Springsteen story. Okay, real quick, I because I was lucky enough to meet him because my brother knows him reasonably well. So my brother invited me one time to go to the Springsteen concert. I'm going to say 15 years ago, maybe out at the old Meadowlands, which is now where the Giant MetLife Stadium, where the Giants and the Jets play in New Jersey. Outdoor concert, you know, 75,000, the whole deal. So after the concert ends, you know, of course, John's got the in with the manager. He knows the boss. We go backstage, okay? He's got his own room. There's nobody in the room. It's a little bit like, you know, Coach Knight, but there's no one there. So his manager, his, his, whomever it is, comes out and says, uh, Bruce will be out. He's just taking a shower, you know, because he does like a 15-hour concert, you know, the boss. Right? Exactly. So he says he'll be out in a few minutes, you know, about. So he comes out. You know, all showered before, like like after we would come out after a tough, you know, five set match, and he sits down and we're talking, and he's he's all interested in uh, telling us about his training, how he was he got into running, and that's how he prepared for this tour because you know he spends so much energy, he's in great shape. And I finally, after we were chatting for a bit, I said to him, uh, I said Bruce, I said, I mean, how do you do it? Like, how do you you know the energy and the the motivation? So he said to me a line I'll never forget. He said, Patrick, that I have two thoughts when I'm out on that stage. He goes, and I had these two thoughts because when I first started out, 50 people in the bar, 100 people, or 100,000 people. He says, these two thoughts have to be in cahoots. They have to be in the right balance. Number one, 
Tonight is the most important night of my life. Number two, it's only rock and roll. And let me tell you a quick story also about Bruce Springsteen. I wrote a book called It's in God's Hands. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this book uh, about our journey, but also to help others. And I have a chapter, and a lot of that chapter is about Bruce Springsteen and how those drives back and forth to Mm -hmm. Fort Worth and those walks that Luke and I take every day, we have Bruce Springsteen on every single day. And I can tell you this, that, that he literally has saved my life because mm. without his music and keeping me going, it, it, it really, I, I just can't tell you. And so one day, um, I may have, maybe I have to give, give John a call because yep. my lifelong dream yep. would be good to go up to him and say just two words. Thank you. Mm. Uh, because that's how much his music means to me. And, you know, I, I listened to a song, one of his songs called Tougher Than The Rest mm-hmm. because Luke is tougher than the rest. And I had not listened to any music for 19 days when Luke was in the hospital. I didn't mm-hmm. want to hear a sound. Mm-hmm. I go home, get some clothes, and I'm pulling out of the driveway, and something or someone is telling me, turn on the radio. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I sit there for a minute. Mm-hmm. I finally turn it on, and what comes on? Counting on a Miracle by Bruce Springsteen. Wow. Well, listen, Timmy. Um, I think the whole the whole world would like to say two words to you and to Luke, and that's thank you for inspiring people. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I love you, and the tennis world loves you, and obviously the Saints do, and Lubbock does. And uh, like you said, Luke has inspired so many people. And without him, without you, it couldn't happen. Well, Pat, I thank you so much. You know, uh, I guess um, I always knew that that Luke was going to be something special. He was going to make an impact on people's lives, and he, he's done that. Um, not how I wanted, mm-hmm. but I know that his fight and his, his determination has kept me alive. And now my mission, until I take my last breath, that is to help others, Team Luke Culper Minds, yep. because we are dealing with so many children with brain injuries non-fatal drownings and car accidents and accidents like my son. So many, I talk to so many families every single week and I'm just so blessed to be able to help so many people that are going through what I'm going through. Well, we're blessed to have you and, and, and I'm going to remind you to keep, you take care of yourself. Okay. You said you're going to do it in 2021. I'm going to check in on you and make sure you're doing that. That sounds great, Pat. Thank you so much. You got it. That's Tim, Tim Siegel, everyone. As you know, from me being a, tennis person. I travel a lot. Normally I travel a lot, but not as much, not recently, obviously in the last year, but what would you say out there people is the most important thing when you travel, when you go to a hotel, what's the most important thing when you get it, when you check into a hotel, it's clean, right? That's probably number one. Number two, what would you say it was be the bed and the pillow. Okay. The pillow in the bed. And so I just started sleeping. I just got the, my pillow, right? I can't believe that I didn't have one of these things for years. I ordered the MyPillow. Yes, they've been kind enough to sponsor my podcast, right? But I started sleeping with it in the last week. It's like a whole new world. You've got to check this out. Premium MyPillow, okay? They're on sale now for the holiday season. You can get a premium MyPillow regularly at $69.98. Now it's just $29.98. That's $40 bucks off. 
you got to you got to check this out. Twenty nine ninety eight for a queen size premium my pillow. Buy now, and um, old Mike, you know he'll he'll add he'll, he'll do some add ons as well. So you can go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square. Amazing other products. I ordered one of those little pillows for my dog. Okay, my kids loved it. They said it was. I ordered the medium size. I have a little Yorkie, so he's pretty small, but. Uh, they said that was a little big. I got the you have a large, a medium, and a small. I probably should have gotten the small, but tremendous. I got the sheets, uh, got some towels as well. So here's what you do. Okay, you order the queen size premium my pillow. Buy it now. Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square. There you'll find not only this unbelievable offer, but discounts on all the other products, including a few I mentioned already. Make sure you use the promo code COURT, C-O-U-R-T. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.